0: It's time for the Security Token Show.
1: We're here to bring you the latest and greatest in security token news. Coming from across the globe to your living room.
2: And delivering all the latest STOs and getting you up to date on what's happening
1: in the market.
3: So what are you waiting for? Let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome to the Security Token Show, folks. I'm your host, Herwin Coney. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle Sondland. We're here in sunny Miami, Florida, ready to bring you the latest and greatest security token news. And before we dive into it this week,
0: Herwin, we do need to thank our sponsor, which is Acru. Acru fractionalizes commercial real estate into tokens for as little as $1,000, You can go on to the Accru platform and benefit with direct investment opportunities, enhanced liquidity, flexible hold times, quarterly cash distributions, and more. Explore a range of properties from multifamily apartments in the heart of Chicago to a retail plaza with coveted tenants, including Chipotle and Starbucks. Sign up on the Accru platform today for a special limited time offer where if you buy 10 tokens, you get one free. So you can check it out. There's a link in the description for more information. Go to accrue.co
3: for more. Awesome. And with that, Kyle, let's get into our top five things you got to know happening right now. And moving into
0: our top five headlines, you need to know this week we're kicking off with number five, Intain. It's a company that just launched Intain Marketplace, which is their new platform bringing a lot of their on-chain asset-backed securities from the Hyperledger fabric, as you're familiar with IBM, now onto Avalanche, a public blockchain. They're bringing $5.5 billion worth of assets. That's no small feat.
3: That's absolutely awesome. And moving into number four, we've got Archax, based out of the UK, one of the first to get a license to actually trade uh, uh, registered securities that are tokenized. They are now announcing another service, this time custody. Uh, so they'll be supporting both digital securities, custody services, as well as crypto, NFTs, and more. And number three, we have
0: ADEX, ADDX, in Singapore. They have now listed over 50 offerings, including their newest one from Asia Genesis, which is a hedge fund that trades options, and futures contracts that are listed on exchange. That is now 39 countries that are able to access and invest as long as you're accredited
3: and not in the U.S. Ah, oh, is just absolutely on a tear. Moving to number two, we've got the European International Bank announcing that they've taken $50 million worth of British Pounds sterling, folks, which is a first, apparently, of a tokenized bond using the pound. So that is an amazing feat. More progress and obviously great traction for institutions. Using the proprietary blockchain HSBC Orion for that
0: issuance. And number one, our number one headline, the thing you need to know that you can't miss out on this week, the biggest piece of news is Securitized listing the Hamilton Lane fund that they now have their minimum investment has dropped down from 5 million to 20k this is their equities futures opportunity fund I think it's like one of their multiple funds they've raised now 3.7 billion to date for a lot of these feeder funds and fund of funds products on the polygon blockchain for this issuance. this is a polygon issuance so we see wide coverage of different blockchains we're also going to cover what feeder funds are and how they work with tokenization
3: in the main topic you betcha but- but you're going to have to stick around for that because first we've got Peter Gaffney with the institutional update for you.
1: Welcome back to the institutional segment of the show. I'm Peter Gaffney, head of research at Security Token Advisors. I want to check out two topics in particular today. Private equity tokenization and structured finance on the blockchain. Within the past week, Hamilton Lane and its $800 billion in assets under management made headlines yet again with another tokenized feeder fund product. So this time, the firm's $2.1 billion Equity Opportunities Fund 5, which actually closed the traditional side in early January of 2023, is officially open on a secondary basis to qualified investors through securitized, who we know very well, right? So in essence, a portion of the flagship fund will be tokenized and offered at a minimum buy-in point of just $20,000 versus the typical $5 million minimum in the traditional offering. This represents a 99.6% reduction in subscription minimums which can really be attributed to the efficiencies of investor management on a blockchain and the ability to syndicate pooled capital through the feeder fund model, bring that together. Why is this important? Well, as issuers and asset managers look to expand their investor bases and audiences, they've begun to tap into that cohort of kind of low to mid-accredited investors. This group likely can't shell out $5 million on a single product, although they're more likely to find solace at the $50,000 to $250,000 levels, for example. So this product is built and tokenized on the Polygon blockchain, representing a significant foray into the U.S. markets for Polygon itself and for associated tokenized products. So Polygon already has institutional caliber partners and clients on the crypto and digital assets trading and management sides, including DRW, GSR, Cumberland, BitGo, and a few more. Additionally, Polygon is actually the blockchain of choice for Indegra Group, who, in based in Europe, already tokenized and listed roughly $14 billion worth of equity. So it's a strong culmination for Polygon now in the world of asset tokenization. Keep an eye on them for some more to come. Lastly, this direct equities product also represents one of the three funds that Hamilton Land actually announced intentions of launching with Securitize back in October 2022. So we're seeing this come to fruition. Pending success, this direct equities fund will likely set the foundation for the secondary transactions and the private credit funds soon after in 2023. Done with the private equity side, let's look at the structured finance side. Intain made some waves of its own. I mentioned Intane in the first segment this year. They focus mainly on institutional grade, structured products like mortgage-backed securities and general asset-backed securities as a whole. So their goal is to enable securitizations of both smaller products and large-scale products alike. So much like how blockchain enables issuers to manage let's say 10,000 investors, just like they would 10 investors. Use this parallel to look at $10 million securitizations versus $100 million securitizations. And that's typically the minimum that we're seeing on the mortgage origination side with traditional players in the space. So Intane already has $5.5 billion across 25 assets on their Intane admin platform, which is the administration platform. They count firms like UMB Bank, Wilmington Trust, m and Bank, and WSFS Bank ask clients and or partners, which is awesome. And this past week, Intain officially rolled out Intain Markets, the subnet on the Avalanche C-chain that's pretty much designed to integrate the issuer, the verification agent, the underwriter, the rating agency, the servicer, the trustee, and the investor all in one spot. So rather than touting disintermediation of third parties, which is what most of the blockchain community does, Intane actually prefers to say efficient intermediation by simply managing all these facets and players on chain. So as of now, they're projecting roughly 50 to 100 basis points of savings per deal to issuers. So when you're dealing with multi-billion dollar service providers like Intane is, that equates to multi-multi-millions of dollars in savings. So big props to Ava Labs and the Avalanche blockchain for yet another institutional growth play. Excited to see Intain expand structured finance on the blockchain could be a huge institutional play, which we think is the case. And so that's all for this week's institutional updates. Now we're going to send it over to Sam Sachs, get a glimpse of what's happening in the current market activity.
2: Hello and happy Monday. The security token market cap is holding the $15 billion mark to begin the week. We see that price action does not quite mirror that of traditional equities, as the low volumes continue to keep big market players out of the game. Last Friday, huge news broke out of T0 as they're seizing their crypto operations. It looks as if ICE and that T0 team is cutting costs and going all in on digital securities. Unfortunately, not a great time for Ravencoin supporters, but security token fans are going to like that news. TurnCoin announced that INX will enable TurnCoin Limited $70 million primary capital raised target on the INX One platform, the first and only fully regulated end-to-end platform for listing and trading both SEC registered and exempt security tokens and cryptocurrencies. TurnCoin's primary capital raise is available for 2,000 potential U.S. accredited investors and all non-U.S. investors, including both retail and institutional investors. Great news. And in other news, Hamilton Lane, one of the largest private market investment firms in the world, has listed its equity opportunities fund V on the digital securities platform Securitize. Fund 5 is going to be matched with Securitize and Hamilton Lane, they plan to launch two additional feeder funds in the coming months. The digital fund is tokenized on the Polygon blockchain, as we see many other big players tokenizing as well. And like other digital securities platforms by leveraging distributed ledger technology or DLT, the fund is able to drop minimum investments from an average of $5 million to only $20,000 according to Hamilton Lane. Equity Opportunities Fund 5 includes Hamilton Lane's direct equity platform, which has raised around $3.7 billion. The fund currently comprises of 30 investments in mostly mission-critical businesses. The fund will be accessible to qualified purchasers with at least $5 million in invested assets Of which there are approximately at least 2 million in the United States. And finally, digital securities exchange Addicts has listed another alternative asset on its marketplace. The most recent offering is for the hedge fund Asia Genesis. According to Addicts, Asia Genesis is an Asia focused macro hedge fund that aims to provide both capital preservation and positive annual compounding. Net return for 2022 was reported at 15.3% nominal returns, and the fund is said to trade exclusively in highly liquid exchange-listed futures and options. There's a monthly redemption option with no lock-in periods. The fund is managed by Singapore-based Chua Soon Hock, the chief investment officer and fund manager behind the Japan Macro Fund. This fund generated an annualized net return of 18.7% over a 10-year period of its operation between 2000 and 2009. Very strong historic growth returns, which are very important. Like other securities listed on Addicts, by incorporating blockchain technology, the exchange aims to reduce the minimum subscription size, as we saw before, thus making the investment more attainable for more people. In the case of Asia Genesis, Addicts says that the minimum was dropped from 1 million US to 20,000, similar to Hamilton Lane. That is all for now, but have an amazing rest of your week, and I'll see you next Monday. So for the
0: main topic of this week, we're going to be looking back at the fact that some of the largest fund managers, including KKR, Hamilton Lane, and many others, have begun tokenizing positions in their larger portfolio, specifically in feeder funds. So Herwig, could you walk us through a little bit about what a feeder fund is? Wall Street
3: is abuzz by this news. I'd be more than happy to. This is a, a big subject that I think Is not part of our mission to help educate everybody. This is a type of offering you're going to see. We've now seen two of them on Securitize. What is a feeder fund? What are you buying into? Is it feeding anyone? No, not necessarily any people, but it is feeding into a other fund vehicle. And that's really what you have to look at it like. Uh, Imagine that you have a bigger fund and you want to feed more money into that fund with a new fund, well, that new fund that you're using to raise money would be called a feeder fund. Uh, And Wall Street, folks, you have to remember, is huge. We've got trillion-dollar asset managers out there and funds and the like, so you have to imagine almost from a pyramid down. A massive, massive fund makes operations into a couple smaller funds with directives. Those smaller funds deploy into even more fund opportunities or strategies or products and investments, right? And so sometimes those specific funds have different narratives and thesis. In this case, as you mentioned earlier with Hamilton Lane, they have a growth opportunities fund, uh, and they normally are hard to access. In this case, the feeder fund makes it an easier and a new opportunity to participate in that deal, uh, which is a fantastic opportunity, especially when you use tokenization.
0: For sure. I think that when you look at a feeder fund, really, it's like the onboarding of new capital, as you mentioned, into a bunch of more niche or specific theses that the top-level investor may not have a ton of expertise on, but that's why they're trusting a company like KKR or Hamilton Lane to do this. Of course, though, it is across multiple theses and across multiple different types of deployment, which is where you get that term feeder feeding it in. Let's talk about tokenization here, though, because we've seen Throughout our top five, multiple different companies doing tokenized funds. They've all cited potentially reductions in the minimum investment. So why are they able to do that? What are the benefits of tokenization for an issuer like this? The
3: feeder funds definitely have a lot of different use cases in a sense of, well, on one end, uh, we're seeing it used by tokenization to leverage a lower ticket price. So this is the concept of fractionalization, where instead of, according to KKR, their $5 million example on their deal, you can go and invest at 100 k $100,000 minimum. That is a significant reduction uh, 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 for uh, the ability to invest in KKR. Hamilton Lane, same example, down to $20,000, they say, as a minimum to invest in their fund Uh, Down for 5 million. Folks, you have to think about that for a second. In the world before tokenization, we were just looking at it like, great, you have to have 5 million in order to invest in this KKR healthcare fund or in this Hamilton Lane growth fund. And now you only have to have 100K or even 20K. Think about the massive paradigm shift that can make happen for, for finance, for funds in general, right? And then managing that
0: through an online portal that tracks. All the distributions on-chain that tracks the compliance information on-chain that monitors where these different assets are relating to and how those distributions work, I think, is really the key here in bringing down this cost of capital because you're standardizing how this investment is managed. You're standardizing the transfer agent. You're standardizing how the cap table moves, who's operating that, how tax documents are issued, how fund management is operated and conveyed. Those are all pieces where if you can see a tiny piece of each one of those steps of the process, it does add up. And when we're talking about the size of these funds that are billions of dollars in size, certainly hundreds of millions of dollars in size, 1% is millions of dollars and potentially tens of millions once you get to the billions in assets under management. So these numbers really add up just by starting to automate these things, let alone actually reducing the need for the actual headcount, which really tends to be a huge expense. You
3: mentioned something there regarding compliance, too. Standardizing the investment process, I think, is a big part into the second use case, which is actually international Uh, funds, right? The idea of a feeder fund not being necessarily used because of a lower ticket price, but actually because it's designed to be able to enable a geography, a certain area of investors to now also participate in, say, a fund that was traditionally only available to one demographic. Uh, And so in this case, by streamlining this process, we've got digital onboarding, digital compliance checks, enabling it much easier for international investors to go in one place and participate in a deal that normally they probably didn't have access to. So yet another great use case To help bring more investors into uh, what were traditionally not accessible funds by KKR, Hamilton Lane,
0: and then my third and final real benefit here of tokenization in bringing down that minimum investment. Which, from a retail perspective, you think about it like, all right, well, I can buy a share of this for twenty thousand instead of five million. From an institutional perspective, how you might look at this is, you can only change your position in iterations of 5 million as opposed to 20,000, which allows for a fund to much more effectively manage their exposure to any one portfolio. Now, if I am a investment manager or you know something for my book of clients and I want to buy a chunk of this health healthcare fund like we saw with KKR, with this growth fund like we see with Hamilton Lane. Previously, I had to buy $5 million chunks, right? As opposed to being able to manage that risk, be able to sell a portion of that exposure without having to experience such high levels. I think that you're gonna see this ripple effect across investment managers. And this is something that I think is maybe overlooked, that it's not necessarily liquidity from a trading perspective for a retail person, but it's managing
3: your exposure from the OTC level that can drastically be improved. Fractionalization leading to diversification is aimed to massive, massive benefit. The last use case that I want to mention is tax uh, benefits, right? There's a lot of feeder funds that are designed not just for lowering the ticket price or the geography, but actually enabling tax strategies and certain benefits for that. Well, guess what? Everything being on chain, this going to be managed better. Whatever rules you got to follow, whatever you know uh, structures you got to put in place, this can now be automated, programmed in, and not just the feeder fund, main fund, other uh, funds around it, the, you know, connected to it. This can all be on chain, so waterfall structures and all kinds of other benefits can occur as a result. Right? We're previously talking about a world where if I wanted to go and invest in a feeder fund. I was a big institution with at least 5 million bucks and I was going around and I had to call the different banks and see what different options of of available funds that they have to invest in. And now I've got to review documents and now I've got to potentially go through some custom onboarding process. Maybe I'm calling someone to send compliance documents in. You get the idea. It is a long, strenuous process and now it's streamlined digitally tokenized online, in this case, both Hamilton Lane and KKR, on securitized. And we can expect many, many more Uh, applications and similar uh, use cases by other banks to follow suit, no doubt.
0: No longer do institutional investment managers have to call each other up on the phone or call an OTC broker-dealer to try to haggle around moving their allocations. With tokenization, we can have much more control, a much more streamlined process, and of course, managing all that process so much more effectively to prevent fraud while also improving the tax efficiencies of these vehicles. So feeder funds and tokenization, match made in heaven.
3: You can always count on tokenization touching all parts of finance, especially feeder funds. It's a great use case. Love talking about the subject, Kyle. But with that, why don't we finish up our show here with the Companies of the Week. And to
0: close out our show here, episode 174, we couldn't leave you without covering our companies of the week. These are two companies that Herwig and I wanted to specifically highlight for making some
3: big moves in the industry. Herwig, who was your winner this week? Well, mine is a consistent... Uh, winner on the show. They've been a trailblazer in the space, and I just got to give it where credit is due this week, uh, and that is Securitize. So Securitize is the issuance platform and the broker behind the KKR and Hamilton Lane deals, the very exact descriptions behind the feeder funds tokenization we talked about. And this is Hamilton Lane's second uh, a tokenization fund here with Securitize. So that's major, major news, Kyle. Uh, the fact that they did this, I personally know has been taken notice by a lot of other banks, by a lot of other uh, financiers and investors and the industry in general. So this has been a major step forward and to see you know, Hamilton Hamiltonian double down with Securitize, this was not just a one and done test use case, but to really see this continuing. Uh, I think it's fantastic news. Securitize is showing that they have no signs of stopping this year. Got to give it to them. Maybe maybe this is the time, the the year, that they will finally win the big one. Uh, with that, they are officially nominated. So congratulations to Securitize. You're my company of the week. I think that's a great
0: choice. It's great to see yet another huge institutional name bring a tokenization to product to market we haven't seen anyone else in the industry be able to show this level of success. Certainly with with T-Zero getting the investment from ICE, that was a big institutional move. But bringing KKR and now their their newest fund from Hamilton Lane to market, these are really institutional deals. It's great to see for the industry. That's the work in action right there. I love to see it. Kyle, how about you? Who's your choice? My choice this week is Intane. They now launched their Intain Markets platform, but what I found in doing research for this company and for our top five was that they actually have already had 5.5 billion dollars in asset-backed securities on the blockchain. They were using the Hyperledger blockchain. That's the IBM's proprietary network that everyone was really excited about, you know, five seven years ago. That really hasn't really been able to add a lot of value to to a lot of their corporate clients. And so we see them now converting over to the Avalanche blockchain. I think this is a great move. Avalanche is an EVM, Ethereum virtual machine compatible. So all the technology plugs in and is composable with some of the other DeFi and, and blockchain ecosystem we've already seen grow while bringing on such a huge level of assets They've got a proven track record. They're clearly going to do more stuff in the future. Intain is my winner this week.
3: Uh, that's an absolutely great choice. Uh, I think the asset-backed securities market is a massive opportunity for tokenization. And clearly Intain is already making great headway in that. And Avalanche, great choice. Actually, full disclosure, they are also investors. And we are using the Securitize platform for our very own Reg CF. But that has nothing to do, I think, that with our picks here. And those are just two companies that are showing the industry what it takes to get adoption done. And we love to see it. So with that, hopefully you enjoyed the entire show. We'd love your questions, your feedback, your thoughts. Kyle and I, we're always available on LinkedIn, on Twitter. We're very active. Come hit us up. Uh, and, of course... STM.co, folks. That's our brand new website. Go check it out. Uh, it has a bunch of new amazing news articles for you to check out every day. Of course, all the latest and greatest data and you can expect a lot more coming. Uh, so go check it out and let us know what you think. Been a great episode. Really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next Monday. Happy tokenizing.